Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I am Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Today, we're talking about how to talk to children about sex. So many parents become anxious when the subject of sex comes up in relation to their children. It can feel incredibly awkward to explain to your child all the aspects of the birds and the bees. How do you know what it is appropriate to say and when? If you leave it to the school to teach your child, how can you make sure that your child is learning all the facts that are important to you? Are your children learning from watching pornography in online chat rooms, on Facebook or Snapchat, from other children whose knowledge is questionable? The best place for your children to learn about sex is at home. There are a variety of ways to teach your children about sex from sitting them down and having the talk and then being available for further talks to having a trusted blood or chosen family member have the talk with them through to giving them age-appropriate books, comics, and videos and then answering Children who learn about sex from the internet are at a higher risk of abuse or harassment. They are also under far more pressure to engage in a wide range of sexual activities far earlier They really have no way of filtering what they're seeing. Many of them are confused about the conflicting information that they find. Peggy Orenstein published a book called Girls and Sex, Navigating the Complicated Landscape. For the book, she interviewed 17 to 23-year-old girls about all aspects of sex. She reports that fully half the girls she interviewed experienced something along the spectrum of coercion to rape. She highlighted the fact that girls still don't talk about pleasure in relation to sex, but rather talk about the pleasure they give to others. The girls she interviewed watched pornography to figure out how to act as they had so few trusted sources of information. So here, I'm not criticizing the pornography per se. It's simply that nobody talked with them about how they might behave. So they were looking for models of how to act when it came to sexual behavior. Teen pregnancy in the UK in 1998 was the highest in Europe. Though now it's at its lowest level since 1961 when they first started to keeping statistics, in 2010, we still had the highest teen pregnancy and abortion rates in Western Europe. This is the result, this drop is the result of a clear strategy at may, aimed at making sure that teenagers have the information they need to achieve sexual health. 
Despite all of this great work, the pregnancy rate still remains too high. 40,000 young women still become pregnant each year. Education at school is helpful. Education through family doctors and general practitioners is helpful. Sexual health clinics specifically for young people are essential, but none of this takes the place of education and a supportive home environment. Sexually transmitted infections are highest in the under 25 group. Information is patchy with many young people having inadequate knowledge to be able to prevent the transmission of infections. School-based sexual education doesn't always include topics like sexual orientation, gender, and consent. Suicide is the second leading cause of death between young people from the age of 10 to 24. The rate is four times higher in lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer youth, and twice as high in youth who are questioning their identities. The figures rise further when these youth are in homes that are rejecting. Metro did a survey amongst 7,000 LGBTQ 24-year-olds across the UK about their experiences. 42% had sought medical help for anxiety or depression, and 44% had thought about suicide. If your kids can talk about their feelings and discuss their attractions, no matter what gender they are attracted to, it is less likely that they will develop depression. If they are taught that all sexual orientations are valid and reassured that they are valued and have a safe place to bring feelings and questions, suicide and self-harm rates decrease. So as a parent, where do you start? I recommend learning about normal sexual development. Once you have a good understanding of what a child feels and thinks at different stages, you'll find it easier to figure out how to approach the child at each stage. I'm going to spend the rest of this podcast giving you a quick tour through sexual development. I've put in some suggestions of things you can approach and things you can say at each stage. But there's a lot more that I could say on this topic. So consider this an introduction. Number one, we are sexual beings from birth. Now that statement can upset some people. But it's true. And you ignore this fact at your peril. Because from birth to 18 months, the child is learning to feel negatively or positively towards their body. Through nurturing touch, they will learn to value themselves and they learn what it means to be loved. Research suggests that between birth and 18 months, the baby will begin to identify as either male or female. And during this time period, children discover their genitals and will touch themselves for pleasure. They're not masturbating to orgasm at this age. All they know is that this feels good and this is comforting. Though you are not providing formal sexual education at this stage, it is essential to remember that the child's feelings about their own body are strongly influenced by how adults respond to masturbation. If parents express upset or disgust, this will impact upon the child's view 
of their self as well. He will see himself or she will see herself as disgusting. Children touch themselves because it feels good. And they will often do so when they are stressed because it relieves stress. So the most important thing you can do during this stage is not react with negativity, rejection, or disgust. Neutrality is helpful. Between 18 months and three years old, children begin to learn the names for body parts. The most important sexual education you can provide as a parent here is making sure to give them the appropriate names for the sexual parts of the body. Oftentimes, children are not taught the names for their genitals, and when they are given names, they're usually silly names. So you would be saying, these are your eyes, and the child would say eyes. You know, these are your knees, knees. And then completely skip vagina or penis. Or bum, ass, completely skip that. Sometimes parents don't skip it. And instead we'll use silly names. So it's these are your knees, these are your thighs, and there's your hoo-ha. If you leave out the name for genitals, the message you're giving your children is that these parts are unmentionable. Or there's something hidden or wrong with them. When we give children silly names for genitals, we further the message that these are really unmentionable parts. So if you want to normalize sex and sexuality for your child, you start by giving them appropriate words to talk about their bodies. At three, children start to notice the difference between men and women and boys and girls. Girls can worry that boys have something, a penis, and they have nothing. You can reassure a girl and tell her that she has a vagina and that it's harder to see than the penis because it's tucked in. You can tell her that she has a vulva, which you can actually show her, which might make more sense to her. At three, this is the point where you should be teaching your child that her body belongs to herself and that she can say no to unwanted touch. You must start teaching them to trust their own sense of what is wanted and unwanted touch. Now, I've used a female pronoun here because sexual abuse of girls is still far more prevalent than sexual abuse of boys, but there is plenty of abuse of boys. So it is important that you teach your male and your female children that this is their body and they can say no. From three to five years old, children become more curious about their bodies and the bodies of others. They might want to follow their parents into the bathroom, and they may even want to try and touch your genitals. This is normal behavior. Children need to learn about privacy and modesty at this time, and the standards you choose will be individual to your family and your culture. Between three and five is when children first ask, where did I come from? This is best answered honestly. There are lots of stories that parents make up, like the stork delivered the baby. These are really not helpful. When the child asks, first make it clear that you're really happy to talk about this subject. So saying something like, like, well, that's a good question, 
or I'm glad you asked me. Then you need to get an idea of what they're asking. So you could say, the child says, you know, where do babies come from? You could say, can you guess? Or what do you know about that? Some children are looking for a very simple answer and others want more details. Make sure you're clear about the messages you're giving along with your answer. So you want your child to be comfortable asking you anything. You need to not wince when they ask you a question that makes you anxious, upset, or feel like you want to back off. You want your child to know that it's good to be curious and it's good to learn. And you want your child to know that there's nothing secret, forbidden, or naughty about sex and procreation. Now, I realize that some people listening to this podcast may um, have different belief systems than those I'm presenting here. And if you do feel that um, sex should be limited to procreation, or there are things that are that should be secret or forbidden, I ask you to please consider the message that you're giving your child when you tell them this. Um, and that you try and give them messages in a way that is as least negative as possible and without making them feel shamed or humiliated. There are a variety of books that are aimed at this age group that you can read to your children that use age-appropriate language. Or you could choose to use them as a resource so that you find your own language to answer the questions. It's important to remember that at this age, children have no notion of adult sexuality, so you don't need to give them the nitty-gritty details. You can talk about sperm and egg without talking about daddy putting his penis in mommy's vagina. Very bright children might keep asking questions until you do give them more details. In that case, you can tell them more, making sure to keep things straightforward. Children who have been born as the result of fertility treatments or using a surrogate should be told in simple terms how they came to be. Between the ages of three and five is when children begin to explore each other's general, genitals. Play set at sex with dolls and with stuffed animals. So this is when they start engaging in play that involves sex. Children may play doctor or they might play house. This is perfectly normal. And it's another way for them to find out about their own bodies and the bodies of others. It's important to note there's no eroticism to this play. It is based purely on curiosity. Now I'm going to say that again. This play is about curiosity. It is not sexualized behavior. It's extremely important that adults don't overreact to this type of normal behavior, as doing so sends an extremely negative message to the child about sexuality. Even though it's normal for your child to engage in this type of exploration, it doesn't mean you need to allow it to happen all the time. If you were to walk in on your five-year-old son and his four-year-old friend naked in the bathroom looking at each other's genitals, you can gently distract the children by saying, hey, I see you're both interested in looking at each other's bodies. Well, it's good to be interested, but let's find something else to do now. And then tell them to get dressed in a pleasant voice. You should let the parents of the other child know about the incident so they don't think you've been concealing something and they don't make more out of it than it is. Have a talk with your son and tell him it's good to be curious, but he should bring the questions to you. 
You might want to use an age-appropriate book about bodies and sex to sate his curiosity, or there are anatomically correct dolls that you could use. But most important is not to panic when you see this normal behavior. There are behaviors that are not normal. If your ch children are, are trying to actually have sex, for example, a boy is trying to insert his penis into another child's mouth, vagina, or anus, this needs investigating. Panicking won't help. A calm conversation with the children as to where they saw or learned these activities is the place to start. Sexual development from five to six years old. Children at this age are creative and imaginative. Let's pretend is often the preferred type of play. People have imaginary friends at this age. They also try hard to figure out things for themselves by listening to the adults and attempting logic to understand things that perplex them. They don't have much abstract thought at this point, so they think in a concrete way. The combination of these things, imagination and thinking very concretely and trying to figure things out, can lead to some really strange misunderstandings about the body and how it works. It's important to give children clear and straightforward information about bodies and bodily functions. At this, at this age, many children are clear about gender identity already and will often imitate the parent of the gender they identify as. Some children are more fluid in their gender identity. No issue should be made out of this fluidity. Sometimes children will play out stereotype gender roles despite parents' best efforts not to prevent stereotypical roles but to encourage more fluid roles. Part of this is because at this age, children see things as black and white and cannot really process shades of gray. And the rest highlights what they're seeing in environments outside the home, the wider culture, and the media that they are exposed to. At this age, it's really important to children to be able to see that their family is a good and normal family. They won't use the term normal, they'll just use good. If they come from a non-traditional family, they may have concerns that there's something wrong with their family, or they may tell other children from more traditional families that there's something wrong with their families. I remember a child from a family I was working with being told by a friend in school that all families have a mummy and a daddy. And she replied, not true. Some families have two daddies and no mummy. This led to a falling out and a friendship that almost ended. Another child told a friend that all families had to have a mummy because you can't have a baby without a uterus. At this age, masturbation is very common, though children are still not masturbating to orgasm as a rule. Giving children negative messages about masturbation increases the likelihood of sexual problems later in life. Children should already know at this age that masturbation is something best done in private. Shaming children about masturbating will only make a connection between shame and sex. It will not stop them from doing this. Sexual development from six to nine years old. Well, this is the time that children have developed enough cognitively so that they can understand the basic facts of life. Pregnancy, sex, and birth. 
Even though they don't, even so, they don't understand the erotic part of sexuality or the emotional connections. Even when they understand the process, they may not believe that their parents have had sex. Or they may believe that they've had sex only as many times as the number of children that their parents have. This is the time when kids often, if you say, you know, do you think your mom and dad had sex? They go, ew. Normality becomes important at this age, and most children will try to fit into their peer groups. It's important they're exposed to gender roles that are not stereotypical at this point, so they can see these as normal as well, which they are. That way, if they express their gender <clears throat> slightly outside of um, what's traditionally talked about as the norm, which is heteronormative, they won't see themselves as strange or different. Their understanding of and feelings about gender start to become more complex at this point. This is the time you have lots of potty humor and lots of sexual jokes. Sex play will continue, as does masturbation. Questions are far more complex and it's important to give them more details, but to recognize that they still don't yet understand the emotional content and erotic content to sex. Puberty can start at eight or nine for some girls. They need age-appropriate information about the changes their bodies are going through. This initial information is best given to them by their mom or a female relative. In lots of cultures, the arrival of menstruation is both a sad event as the end of childhood and something to be celebrated as the beginning of young adulthood. Most girls, though, would prefer not to have this event broadcast to family and friends. Try to be sensitive about how they might feel entering puberty this young. Sexual development from 9 to 14. For most children, puberty begins during this time. It's at this time that it is essential your children have good information about the changes their bodies are going through, sex, and relationships. Average age for puberty to begin for girls is between 8 and 13, and for boys, between 10 and 15. It can take anywhere from between 3 and 5 years to progress through puberty, but there's a huge variation as to when puberty begins and to when it ends, so it's really hard for you to know if you're normal and this is an issue that causes kids in this age range a huge amount of stress. You don't want to be the one in the class whose voice changes first, but you don't want to be the one whose voice changes last. You don't want to be the girl who has breasts first, but you don't want to be the one who's 15 and still doesn't have any. The idea that talking to kids about sex, gender, sexual orientation, birth control, and sexually transmitted diseases will encourage more sex is completely wrong. The only thing not telling kids what they need to know to be responsible and protect themselves accomplishes is higher rates of sexually transmitted diseases and higher rates of unwanted, unplanned pregnancies. Children in this age group need to know that everyone develops differently and that they will get through puberty. They need information on birth control because at 13 and 14, not a small minority of children are already having sex. 
if they haven't had the intelligence to look up birth control on the internet, or if they did and they got bad information, and they have no one to talk to about this, there will be pregnancies. The number of young women who I've seen as part of assessing in the family courts who had children between 13 and 17 who believed that you could not get pregnant if his penis didn't enter your vagina was mind-boggling to me. At least half of those pregnancies could have been prevented if these young people had accurate information on sex and birth control. And, and what's important about this is they need to have information in language that they can understand. The biological charts are great, and it's important for them to understand the biology, but you need to talk to them at their level. You need to speak their language. Yes, they're embarrassed when you do that, but you need to be clear that this is important information. You need to say things like, pulling out is not a form of birth control. And you need to explain why. You would explain that it only takes one sperm for there to be a pregnancy. You need to explain the dangers of sexually transmitted diseases, but in a way that's not going to petrify them and teach them to make responsible choices. The biggest anxieties at this age for boys, penis size, height, and unwanted erections. For girls, breast size, sudden periods, as in they can't plan when they're going to have their period, and mood swings. Body image becomes an even bigger issue during this time when children start comparing their developing bodies with the bodies of their peers, but also models, actors, and other famous people. They pore over magazines that tell them how they should look and what they can do if they don't have the ideal body. Um, this encourages um, eating disorders. And um, there's a frightening trend towards um, more plastic surgery at this age. Despite how much it embarrasses them, you need to bring up the subject of sex with your teen and make sure they have accurate and unbiased information. Most teens prefer this talk to be done by the same sex parent, but sometimes the preference is the opposite sex parent if there is one. This is the point at which children will begin to masturbate to orgasm. The message you give a chi your child about this can have a big impact upon self-esteem and sexual relationships then and later in life. Take care not to shame or humiliate your child by drawing attention. Make sure to knock and wait for an answer before entering a room. Afford them the same privacy you would expect them to afford you. Sexual orientation can become more of an issue at this stage. Answer questions in an honest and straightforward manner so your child can feel secure in their orientation. It's good for children to, at this age to be exposed to role models of all orientations so they can see that there are homosexual, bisexual, heterosexual, and transgender people who are all well-adjusted and happy in relationships. 
If you don't feel confident about giving this type of positive message, you should find someone else to help you with this part of your child's sex education. And make sure that you're not telling your child that there's something wrong with them, if they are bisexual or homosexual, for example. This is the time to start talking to your children about consent in relationships. In actual fact, um, you need to talk to them about consent as early as possible. Um, and that can actually be part of your talk about saying that it's your body and nobody has a right to touch you if you don't want them to, because that is all about consent. You just need to talk about it at an age-appropriate level. The cup of tea video has been done in clean versions with no swearing and not so clean versions and is a very easily understood straightforward analogy that brings humor into the discussion. This can be found on the internet. If you put in consent and cup of tea, you'll find a number of versions of this. If you find the topic difficult to talk about, this is one way of only having to answer questions. Your children need to learn that consent is more complex than just asking somebody quickly if they want to be involved in a sexual activity, and that consent can be withdrawn at any time, and if it is, the person who the person needs to stop what they're doing rather than pressuring the person who said no. I'll do an entire show on issues around consent, um, starting with children and then moving up through adulthood. This is also the time when you might find your child has been accessing pornography on the internet. If you've not been monitoring their access and discussing the things they're accessing with them up to this point, you need to do so now. Not so that you can shame them or punish them for their viewing, but so that you know what messages they're being given and you can make sure to give them healthy messages. For example, in lots of pornography, there are cum shots. This is when men ejaculate onto the faces of their partners, be they women or men. Kids need to know that you need to ask your partner if they're okay with you doing that. Boys need to understand that that's not how it always goes and that all girls don't like that. If they're not told, they won't know. They'll just assume that this is the way sex is. So again, it's not that there's something inherently wrong with those cum shots, although lots of people will argue about pornography. That's not what I want to do here. I want to make it clear that it's not about damning pornography. It's about making sure that they have clear and healthy information as an alternative to what they're seeing in pornography and so that they can put what they're seeing in perspective. They can be told that some girls like that and others don't. And then if they want to do something like that, they really need to have a conversation first. Sexual development from 14 to 18 years. Now, this is the time your children will need to learn a deeper understanding of consent, sexual orientation and relationships. Kids in this age group are notoriously impulsive, so it's essential they have accessed information on STDs and birth control and that they know their parents will answer any questions in a non-judgmental way. If you're in the United Kingdom, your kids should know 
where the closest youth GUM clinic is and what the hours are and how they can go there anonymously to get information on birth control and STDs and also to get any birth control or any treatment that they might need, any testing and any treatment they might need. You need to be clear when you speak with them about these issues and help them to learn to think through sexual behavior and and relationships prior to acting. Teenagers have the same drives towards different types of sexual behavior like kinky behavior as adults. They don't need to see or be taught about dominance or sub- and submission or um, other kinks to feel a desire to be controlled or forced or restrained or to feel a desire to be in control. If you avoid talking about these topics, you run the risk that the information they get will be from fiction, uh, either pornography or erotica, where actors are portraying fantasy, not reality. If they imitate the fiction they see, they can find themselves in relationships where they're being disrespectful to their partner or being disrespected by their partner, where people get injured or they're the one doing the injuring, or there, or also be at risk from adults who prey on adolescents and young adults. They need good non-judgmental information in order to protect themselves and make good choices. Um, there was a rash of, of deaths by autoerotic asphyxiation some years ago. Um, and there were quite a few young people who succumbed to this, having um, heard about this practice um, on the internet without having any information about the actual level of risk they were taking and um, what they would need to do to make this practice safer. Now, I need to be clear, there's no way to make this practice safe. Not talking about it is not going to prevent them from finding out about it or developing an interest in it. And um, desires develop independently of information sources Rejection is one of the more upsetting experiences that most teens will have, and they may need help to deal with it in an appropriate way. And they will need to learn to take responsibility for their choices. Sexting, taking erotic movies and pictures and placing them on social media all become issues during this time. They need to be helped to consider the long-term implication of their choices. Pressure to have sex before they're emotionally ready is another feature of this time period. Teens need support to be able to stand up for themselves and wait until they feel ready. Parents can facilitate teens learning the difference between biological sex roles and the gender roles that are socially assigned. Teens need to be taught about sexual pleasure and that it is a joy in life. And this is one of the areas parents find the hardest to address. Straight language without personal examples is the best way to talk about this. For Because ex- your teenager definitely doesn't want to hear what you enjoy. For example, you can tell your teenager that sex is supposed to feel good and to be fun for both participants or all participants, and that talking about sex with your partner before having it um, is likely to make it more likely to be fun. They need to be told that fantasies are normal And that just because you have a fantasy doesn't mean you need to act it out or even that you want to act it out. They need to be told that if they fantasize about having sex with a same-sex partner, that doesn't mean that they're gay. Not that there's anything wrong with being gay. 
but they need to make that distinction between fantasy and reality so that they can feel free to experiment or not. Um, and so they don't have such anxiety about things being either black or white. Now, sometimes this area talking about pleasure um, and fantasies is an easier area for a teen to address with another trusted adult rather than the parents. So make sure your teen knows that you're happy for them to talk to these particular named adults about sexual issues and encourage them to talk about pleasure, fantasies, and any other concerns they may have about normality. This has been a quick tour through this subject. Um, there are a, there's a lot more that I can say and that I will say over time in the podcast and in my writing. Um, if you have particular questions that you want answered, please feel free to write me at Dr. Bisbee, that's D-R-B-I-S-B-E-Y at the-intimacy-coach.com. Thanks for joining me this week for Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Do write to me with suggestions for the show at drbisbee at theanimacycoach.com. Follow me on Twitter, where my handle is drbisbee. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to www.the-intimacy-coach.com and click on the button that says Schedule Now. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.